Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Spectrum. Each week I talk about topics related to autism, Catholicism, and pop culture. And this week, we are right smack dab in the middle of Christmas. So, in fact, it's going to be next week. So I thought I'd talk about one of my favorite saints, the actual Saint Nicholas, one of the most prominent figures in Christmas. Probably the one you think of the most, if not Jesus. And I'll also talk about how we got from the actual Saint Nicholas to Santa Claus. So Saint Nicholas was born on March 15, 270 and lived until December 6, 343. And that's why December 6th is his feast day, because we Catholics... This, decide a feast day for a particular saint based on the day the saint died. If it's, I mean, unless it has to do with a vision of a particular saint, like, say, the feast of the, of uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, that happens on the actual day that the event occurred. And the reason we do it on the day that a saint died is that's the way you become a saint. You die, and someone and they go through a process of determining if you are worthy of becoming a saint. Um, for those who weren't around when I talked about my first, when I did my first discussion of saints, these days you have to have two miracles attached to your name. It used to be just one, but now it's been two, but now it's been moved up to two. And... Nicholas was born in Patera, located in the Antalya province of Turkey. And he was born to wealthy Christians. We know very little about St. Nicholas because this was during the, the time of the Roman Empire. And actually, this was during a time when Rome was... I mean, there were some really sparse records about Rome in particular. We do know that after his parents died, he gave all his wealth to the poor, kind of like what St. Francis of Assisi did, and became a priest and was later ordained as Bishop of Mira. He was present at the Council of Nicaea, which I'll talk about more about later. For now, let's talk about the, some of the legends surrounding the saint. Nicholas was well known for his generosity and love of children, and that's why one of his titles is the patron saint of children. Saints always have different things that they are patrons of, and it's usually tied, into, tied to history about them. Perhaps the most well-known legend is him giving money to three sisters who could not afford a dowry for a wedding and were even considering prostitution. A dowry is a is a certain amount of money that a woman must pay in order to have a in order to furnish a wedding. These three women were these three sisters were very poor and could not afford that. So Saint Nicholas took pity on them and threw money down a chimney one night. Or in another account, they had put their stockings on the fireplace to dry, and he put his money and he put the money there. Eventually, the father found out and thanked him. 
And either one of these is, inspires today's tradition of leaving a stocking for him to fill. And in European tradition, on December 6th, that is, you can also leave shoes out by the door for your for children. And then St. Nicholas comes along and fills them with candy. This is actually done here in the United States as well in certain Catholic private schools. He's also believed to have rescued children who were left behind in the butcher to die in a barrel. In fact, in some cases, the children had already died in the barrel and he'd, resur and he'd resurrected them. And saving those girls led to his patronage of prostitutes as well. Plus, he is believed to have traveled to the Holy Land, and on the way there, there was a big storm, and he managed to calm the storm, just like Jesus did in the Bible. And that led to him becoming the patron of sailors. And there is probably the most infamous legend, at least for us Catholics, concerning its presence at the Council of Nicaea. The council had, I mean, this is where we get the Nicene Creed that Catholics say in, at Mass every Sunday. The council had been assembled to deal with the Arian heresy. And now I should point out that this is not the same Arian that we, I mean, that inspired the Nazis in the 1940s. This is a totally different spelling of that. This is A-R-I-A-N, not A-R-Y-A-N. Both names are pronounced the same. So I figured I should point that out, just for those who don't know that. And it's believed, and St. Nicholas was present at the council, and I should explain what the Arian heresy is. It is a tenet of the Christianity that God is a holy trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There have been numerous heresies that have grown out of this belief because it is considered a mystery. And mysteries in Christianity are things that cannot be explained but must be accepted on faith. And we cannot explain why God is represented in three persons, all alike, I mean, all equally alike in dignity and title. They are not considered part of each other. They are not considered lower than the other. So the Father is not weaker than the Son. The Son is not weaker than the Holy Spirit. And vice versa. Arian, Arius did not believe that Jesus was part of the Holy Trinity. Because Jesus was... He did not think that because Jesus was both God and man, that made him God. In fact, he didn't he denied Jesus' divinity totally. He believed and because of and this was a very dangerous heresy because people followed him in this belief. And Saint Nicholas was so enraged at the heresy that it's believed that he punched him. But this is actually doubtful that he did this, and it's even doubtful that he was present at the council itself. He wasn't mentioned by Athanas of Alexander, the defender of Trinitarianism, who was also there. And if he and he knew every bishop that was around at the time. 
Now, if he didn't attend, it was possible that this record was removed, and maybe it was removed because of St. Nicholas's action. We don't know ex exactly. Um, the story is also attested thousands of years after St. Nicholas died, which also makes it rather... Um, what's the word? Unbelievable. And I actually got this from an article that was suggested to me by a Catholic apologist named Mark Shea. And the article was written by Deacon Stephen Gray Donis. And he doubts that it even happened. And Mark Shea believes that it's spread around because there are certain Catholics who like to use this to point out that sometimes we have to defend the Bible with violence. Never mind the fact that when Jesus was threatened by the guards, St. Peter attacked the guards, and Jesus, by cutting off the, the guard's ear, and then Jesus turned around and healed the guard's ear and admonished St. Peter. So let's talk about how we got from St. Nicholas to Santa Claus. So how did we get from the Bishop of Mira to the, to the man we know today? In Europe, St. Nicholas is revered all over the world. You may see pictures if you look up, if you do a Google search, of people dressing up as St. Nicholas. You might even see someone accompanying him in blackface named Black Peter. These days, you don't see Black Peter anymore because of the blackface and the connotations of that. Um, Black Peter is believed to be, is often dressed in Moorish clothing as well, and that's another reason that you don't see him too much anymore. He is believed to be a demon that accompanies St. Nicholas. Sometimes they throw out Black Peter altogether and they put Krampus in his place. Krampus is believed to go after the naughty children and drag them to hell, while St. Nicholas gives presents to good children. And he is revered all over Europe. He's given different names in different languages, such as Father Christmas in England and Santa Claus in Danish-speaking countries. And is this particular version of St. Nicholas that was brought to America by Danish settlers? And this St. Nicholas is actually quite different from the real person, as you all know. He is believed to dwell in the North Pole rather than Turkey, and he has elves to help him make toys. It is believed that the elves were actually a attribution to Odin, the king of the Norse gods. And that Santa Claus is really just a, and that St. Nicholas, I mean, Santa Claus, excuse me, is a connection to that particular belief. So it was brought to America, and probably the earliest name, naming of Santa Claus that we know of is, of course, the famous poem that was published in 1893, a Visit from the St. Nicholas, written by Clement C. Moore, which, which is also known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, which I'm sure you have had read to you as a child 
and you have probably read to your children yourself. We, we Louisianians, or Cajuns, have our own version of the story that replaces the reindeer with alligators, with crocodiles, because we don't, I mean, with, no wait, it, was al it is alligators, excuse me, with alligators because we don't get much snow, so we don't, we only have, we don't even have the sleigh, we have a pirog, which is kind of like a canoe. And the whole story is told in a Cajun, is, the best way to tell it is in a Cajun accent. And yes, I've heard this version too. I've, I was given both versions of the story. And then in the 1930s, Coca-Cola comes along and they come up with their own version of Santa Claus, the most famous version we have today. Originally, they were going to make him a... And I have to apologize if you guys are hearing that airplane. There's nothing I can do about that. Anyway. Originally, the Santa was going to be a skinny Santa, but there was no... But the people at Coca-Cola decided that a skinny Santa wouldn't sell as well, so they made the fat and jolly Santa that we have today. Which actually would be closer to the way he is depicted in the poem, because he has a belly so round that's supposed to, that's supposed to shake like a bowl full of jelly. So I would so a fat Santa would be more appropriate for if you want to be make it more accurate to the poem. And today Santa Claus is pretty well associated with. Christmas. In fact, I would say that, as I said in the beginning, he is probably as well associated with Christmas as Jesus himself, if not more. So, next, let's answer the question, is it wrong to tell your children about Santa Claus? So, an ongoing debate is whether or not you should tell your children about Santa Claus. It's always believed that I mean, the common belief is that sooner or later your children should grow out of that belief either by you telling them or by an older sibling or some other person who is, in my opinion, mean enough to break the truth to the kids. Now, you might be saying to, to me, but Jason, shouldn't we not lie to our children? Well, I look at it this way. The story of Santa Claus inspires generosity. It inspires kindness. The story of St. Nicholas is equally the same thing. I've even seen ornaments of St. Nicholas, of Santa Claus, kneeling in front of the manger where Christ was born. And I've often shared this particular image because to me, that is what puts Santa Claus in his proper context. I feel that in many, it seems like it's easy to think that this, that all the attention put on Saint Nick on Santa Claus, makes him seem more important than what we're really celebrating Christmas for—the birth of Jesus Christ—and it takes attention away from Jesus. I don't think it does, because I knew about both. I've known about both ever since I was a child. 
because I got curious and looked him up in an encyclopedia, and I was surprised to learn that there was a real St. Nicholas and all of what I told you today. So I think the same thing will happen with children today. They will ask, continues to happen with children today. They will ask you if Santa Claus is real, and then you might tell them, no, he's not, or you might tell them about the real St. Nicholas, like I have just done. And I, and I think that's the best way to learn about St. Nicholas. Not to present him as a myth, but to present him as an actual person. Like Jesus was an actual person. I don't see anything wrong with telling children about Santa Claus, nor do I think it's particularly lying to them, especially since St. Nicholas, the person that inspired the story, is a real person. Or was a real person, rather, I should say. It has done, I mean, to paraphrase Fred in the, in the Christmas Carol, it has done us good, and it will continue to do us good. So no, there is nothing wrong with the story of Santa Claus. Santa Claus has been around for centuries, and I don't see that going away anytime soon. So let's start talking about some of my favorite depictions of Santa Claus in both movies, books, in movies, books, whatever. Um, some of my favorites include Edmund Wynn and Richard Attenborough in both versions of Miracle on 34th Street. The 1930s version and the 1990s version, which also stars Mara Wilson. I like both of these movies pretty equally. They're both Really nice versions of the story. There's slight differences between the two, but they're both very good movies. I don't normally like the idea of remakes, but I will say that this is one of the better... I mean, that the 90s version of Miracle on 34th Street is one of the ones that does it right. Um, of course, there's also The Life and Adventures. There's also all those Rankin-Bass specials. In fact, I'm considering doing an episode all about Rankin-Bass in particular because they're such a well-known part of the Christmas season. And he's, and he's, Santa Claus is in quite a few of them. There's the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, there's Christmas, there's Rudolph and Frosty's Shiny New Year, um, there's Frosty the Snowman, there's the night, there's Twas the Night Before Christmas, The Year Without a Santa Claus, The Town of Santa Claus Forgot. And all of these have been played on during the Christmas season. In fact, Freeform, which was originally the, which is what we now call the Family Channel, I mean, which is what we call what used to be the Family Channel, plays these stop motion specials every year. And to me, it's not Christmas unless I watch at least one of them. My personal favorite one of these is The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which is based on the book by L. Frank Baum. And I just love the mythology that L. Frank Baum, the same L. Frank Baum who wrote The Wizard of Oz stories, by the way, created for Santa Claus. Having him be an orphan children who is cared for by a, a fairy named Niesel, Niesel's Claws, get it? And how he becomes the protector of children. We also have Santa Claus is coming to town. I almost forgot about that. 
that's also a pretty good one. One of the ones that, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, lasts about an hour. Not all of them last about an hour. Most of them last about a half hour, to be honest. Um, there is the Santa Claus movie, which is very underrated, featuring David Huddleston, which also creates a whole myth surrounding Santa Claus. Having him be rescued by elves while he's trapped in the snow, and the elves had a, had a prophecy for years and years, centuries even, about who would be the next, who would help them deliver presents to children. They've been wanting to do it themselves, but they couldn't make it through the snow, and of course, children have believed in elves less and less, and they figured that believing in a human would not only keep them alive, but also keep the tradition alive. And the story slowly progresses to the present day, well, present for the 80s anyway, where Santa Claus meets two children, meets, where Santa Claus has an elf named Patch who wants to modernize production. And the machine that he creates for, that he builds for helping them increase production doesn't do a good job. In fact, it actually slowly just it is not the best maker at all it's the toys that it makes slowly break down even and uh, that almost ruins Santa Claus's reputation and Patch takes it upon himself to leave and that's when we meet the villain of our story um if you haven't seen this movie I highly recommend doing so it's I'm surprised that more people don't know about it more people that so many people don't know about it because it really should have done a lot better than it did there's also unfortunately silent night deadly night but i think that movie should be forgotten i that's the worst depiction of santa claus to me you should never have an evil santa in your movie and of course there is the tim allen trilogy the Santa Claus with an E at the end. And in this story, we find out that Santa Claus is actually inherited that you that if you put the suit on, you become Santa. Not only does your personality, does your physique change to match the story of Santa Claus, but also your personality. And then you have the second movie where he has to get married. And then the third movie where Jack Frost comes along and he doesn't like the fact that Santa Claus has become so famous and people have forgotten about him. So he decides to try to do whatever he can to make the Santa Claus succession never happen because if Santa Claus dies, then he becomes the most famous thing about Christmas instead of Santa Claus. There's also, I almost forgot about this, Rise of the Guardians. Which is a pretty good movie about a group of legendary figures associated with different holidays. So you also have the Easter Bunny in there and Sandman and Jack Frost. Who is... That is the proper way to do Jack Frost. Not as a villain, but as at least a mischievous figure, if not a heroic figure. In my opinion. Because he's not meant to be a villain. And in the story, the Sandman is supposed to join the join the Guardians, 
and they try to convince him to join their team. It's a very good movie. The animation is really nice. And I just like the idea of a Santa like of a Santa who's basically a superhero. Um, another movie I'm going to add to this is Arthur Christmas, which is about a Santa named Malcolm. And in this one, it's been it's kind of a it's pretty much a family business, and the person who had become Santa before him was retired from the job for accidentally causing the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we also meet his son Arthur who discovers that there is one child who did not get a toy that she wanted and she'd been and she was hap and she happened to be on the nice list but there was a mix up so he decides to take over for Santa Claus and deliver the present personally i just watched it yesterday and i thought it was a lot of fun it's made by Arben Studios the same studio that makes the Wallace and Gromit movies and it's been around for years and years it was made in 2011 but I mean, it was released in 2011. Sorry, I shouldn't say made since it stopped motion. But it was a movie that I've been kind of reluctant to watch, but at the same time, I'd heard that it was really good. And I think the reason I was reluctant to watch it is even though I love the Wallace and Gromit shorts and the longer versions of them, um, they're also the same company that made Flush the Way and Chicken Run, which I was not very fond of. In fact, I don't like them at all. So I was, so I had medium expectations going in, but the way this year had been, I felt I needed more Christmas joy than usual, so I decided to give it a try, and I was pleasantly surprised. So I would highly recommend this. Another one I would recommend is Ernest Saves Christmas. This movie is good even if you're not like me and you didn't grow up with any of the commercials that feature Ernest. Ernest is such an endearing, naive figure. I'd rather call him naive than stupid or a simpleton because he does... I mean, because really I think that he has more of a naive quality to him than a stupid quality to him. And, of course, the Ernest movies have that reputation of him being not the brightest bulb But he has such a childlike quality to him in this movie. And Santa is played by Douglas Sears, who I think is the one of, is really, if you were to ask me who the best Santa Claus is, it would probably be Douglas Sears. Because I just love how dedicated this man is, that he has so little time left to find a successor because he's enjoyed the job so much. But the magic is fading and he can't do it anymore. And it's fading because he took so long to find someone to replace him. And not only do we find Ernest so endearing, but we also meet Joe, who will succeed him as Santa Claus. And Joe is particularly an enjoyable figure as well. He's seen as someone who enjoys being around children. And he gets this big break to appear in a slasher movie. And... But... Santa is wants him to be the next Santa Claus. And I just love the fact that Joe is so good around children that he doesn't even want to curse. He tries to do whatever he can to make the movie less bloody and gory. And of course, the people that are involved with the movie don't want it. And that actually makes him walk off. And I just think that's really nice because I happen to be someone who 
really does not like to curse. In fact, you have to get me extremely mad to get me to curse. In fact, I've tried my best not to curse for years and years because I just don't like the way it sounds. And, um, I just think that's really nice that we have Santa Claus like that. I mean, that we have this person who becomes the next Santa Claus. So, those are the people I really love as Santa Claus. And I'll watch a lot of these movies over the years. I have, all, I have not seen Fred Claus, but I hear that's a pretty good version of it, too. So we'll stop here and I'll tell you what you to what you can expect next year, next month, I mean sorry, next week for my celebration of Christmas. So next week I'm going to start something new. I'm going to talk about some I mean, that I'm going to probably try to do every year around this time and that's talk about some of my favorite Christmas specials and movies. And I've decided to start with one of the one of the ones that is so readily associated with the story of with Christmas, it's played every year without fail, and that is the Charlie Brown Christmas special. So I'm going to talk all, and I chose that one because it just happens to be, because Charlie Brown is my favorite comic strip. I still love it to this day, and I just thought it'd be a fun little topic to talk about. And in fact, next week happens to be the week that it airs on PBS. So that'd be perfect. And that's the end of my show. You can f This has been The Catholic Spectrum, and you can find past episodes of The Catholic Spectrum on your favorite podcast app, Pop, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can, you can contact me at RadicalEdwardJWT at gmail.com. You can also contact me on Discord as RadicalEdward.com. Both words capitalized. There's a space between the radical and the Edward. Hashtag 7597. Please share this podcast around with a friend. You can follow me on Facebook as Jason Thayer. And remember, normal is just a setting on the washing machine. We don't get to be normal. See you around and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.